It's time to listen to a teaching of the Vivify Ministries. It is our joy that your heart is awakened to the finished works of Christ with such powerful simplicity. All right, here we go. We're talking about supper and growing in financial responsibilities. We began, we began this series on adulting last week and PK led us through so many things we do with adulting, responsibilities, anxiety. Adulting is a whole ball game. Like I remember when I was younger and I used to tell my mom, I want to grow up. I want to do this thing. There was this time I had sort of an argument with my mom. I was really young. I don't know what I was thinking with things I said. So I had this bicycle. <laughs> I had this bicycle when I was, I think, seven. I had another bicycle when I was 10, but that one got burnt in a fire story for another day. But I had this bicycle when I was seven, and my mom and I had an argument. I can't remember what we were arguing about. And then I told her that I was going to pack out of the house. Yeah, at seven, I thought I was going to leave the house. I was going to pack out of the house, and I was, I was damn serious. So... <clears throat> I went to my room and I packed my things in this Ecolac bag. I don't know if you guys know what Ecolac is, but it's not a very portable box. It's it's um, rectangular-like. It, it's just a weird-looking box. It's not very aesthetic, but it was a thing then. So I packed my things in this Ecolac box, and I told my mom that I was going to survive without her. I was just spewing nonsense. I don't know whether it was the film I watched that day, that influenced my actions, I really cannot tell. But my mom didn't say anything. She didn't even try to stop me. Honestly, she didn't try to stop me. And then I started packing my things, and I remember like riding the bicycle outside to prove that I was actually leaving. Now, I don't remember what I actually did, but I know I didn't go beyond the streets of that house, because where, which money did I have? But as an adult, I no longer live with my parents. And there are just some things that I now appreciate even better because I lived with my parents for a while. I lived with my parents till I got married. And I'm just really grateful for the things that I did have living under their roofs. Like, there are so many things I didn't have to think about. I didn't have to think about rent, for instance. I didn't have to think about rent. I just knew that I was supposed to sweep. I was supposed to mop, and sometimes it would even annoy me that I had to do those chores. But if the option right now in my life is to sweep or mop versus paying rent, please, I will sweep, mop, scrub <laughs> instead of paying rent. So that's something that adulting just shows you. It just flips. You keep saying, I want to grow up, I want to grow up, and then adulting says, come, I'm waiting for you, come here. So I, I, I just started to think about these things that my parents did for me when I was younger, that now as an adult, I genuinely, deeply, deeply appreciate. Some of you are in those shoes. You can't wait to leave your parents' house. If nobody has told you, leaving your parents' house, especially when you're not under duress, is not, is not suddenly a feather on your heart. If you don't have to leave, and before I even get ahead of myself in this teaching, if you don't have to leave, if living with your parents is not toxic, by all means, stay. Like, even if you look through scriptures, right, and you see um, people like Isaac. Isaac was in his father's house. Isaac got married at the age of 40. Are you aware? Like, 40, 4 and 0. And he was living with his father 
all the while. There was no shame around it. I know it's kind of different in our cultures now, but if you're trying to justify the reason why you're moving out of your parents' house or you're trying to prove something, maybe you should calm down and rethink of the things that you have to do because adulting is no child's play. You want to be sure that you are not taking on more responsibilities than you need to take on per time. And that being said, as we adult, as we grow in financial responsibilities, sometimes I think about men and like the average man in society and what he has to go through. There are so many expectations for the average man. I'm African, I'm Nigerian, so I'll use the Nigerian man. You hear a lot of people say things like, are you not a man? A man must do this, a man must do that. And I agree with many things. A man should provide for his home. A man should be responsible. A man should be able to fend for himself. And if he does get married, he should be able to take care of his family. But there are so many unhealthy expectations from the average man today. You're expected to be able to do bad all by yourself and not complain about it. And then you're expected to do all these things and like not crumble under the pressure. You are not allowed to cry. You are not allowed to vent. You are not allowed to seek help. And if you're a guy and you're listening to me, I just want to tell you that as much as you can, find a community that doesn't judge you. Because the expectations of the world are so heavy that if you do not have a solid community around you, you would crumble for, for, for what reason? Now, some of the people that tell you things like, you're a man, do this, you're a man, do that. Where are they in the times of trouble? Some people that you watch in all these um, Nigerian movies, like maybe Living in Bondage, as PK gave an example last week, that the man labors, 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 and then because of maybe his mom's expectation or expectations of his friends, he gets pushed into the wrong company. It's a real thing. It's a real thing that even people in church get pushed to make the wrong decisions because there's an expectation on you that, oh, when you're 25, you should be married, you should have a car, you should do this. Ugh. No pursuit of wealth, whether you are a man, women, I'm coming to you, whether you're a man or a woman should drive you away from God's expectations of you. Whether you're a man or a woman, especially as a man, even when the world expects a million and one things from you, don't unlearn the fact that you're still God's child. I see many times that men, have, men around me or men that I know have gotten so used to shouldering responsibilities that sometimes they forget that God is there for them. Sometimes they forget that God is still their father. As a man, that's not something you can outgrow. The fact that you have become a husband, a father, a provider, you now provide for even people that are not your children. Sometimes you forget the fact that God is your father and he sees you. He sees you and that's a word for someone. God is your father and he sees you where you are. He understands the unique circumstances that you are dealing with and he does not have lofty expectations from you the way the world has when god tells you to do something man or woman he equips you with all you need to do those things praise god and woman i said i was coming to you yes i'm coming to you <laughs> so some women, <laughs> some women have like very weird expectations about you know getting married weird expectations about money weird expectations about wealth 
Like there are some people that are just waiting to marry into a rich home. And I pray that you marry into one because honestly, love is sweet. But when money enter, like when you are not, <laughs> when you are not doing your loving of me on um, bed with bed bugs, or you are not, <laughs> you are not under a mango tree that leaves are falling for me. Like not mango tree because you are trying to be romantic, but mango tree because you cannot afford Chicken Republic or any restaurant. When you are in a relationship and there is at least a level of comfort, it's sweet. But it's wrong for you to enter a relationship looking for a bank or looking for a financial service provider given you should have some expectations from the person that you want to live with but let those expectations be realistic some of you want a man that will pay your school fees while you're in you're in the university you want a man that will buy you phone a man that will buy you pack a man that will buy you this you, there, there's nothing you want to do by yourself when you are in that relationship if nobody has told you, it is wrong. And I know you may want to say, ah, is it not a feminist thing to say it is wrong? Let me show you what the Bible says, Proverbs 31. I know a lot of people only quote Proverbs 31 when they're talking about a virtuous woman and a woman in a relationship and how she should behave. But let me quote Proverbs 31 verse 13 to you. It's going to be a long read, so I want you to follow me. It's a long read, so I want you to follow me. Okay, so Proverbs 31 verse 13, it says, She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. If you're a lady, I want you to say that after me. She willingly works with her hands. She's like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maid servants. She considers a field and she buys it. Some of you, when you heard um, she provides food for her household, you're saying, hey, yes, as a woman, I will just marry a rich man and cook and we'll be fine. Look here, he says, she considers a field and she buys it. From her profits, she plants a vineyard. That does not sound like a woman that is just cooking and cleaning. By the way, don't get me wrong, cooking and cleaning is great. If you know me well enough or you have ever visited me, you will know that I clean to distress. I clean and cook when I'm stressed or I'm not feeling well to just get my mind off the things I'm thinking about. So, no shade at you for cleaning and cooking. But from her profit, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and she strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. Look at all the several things this woman is doing. She extends her hands to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. She's not afraid, um, she's not, all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Now this is the part I really like. Her husband is known in the gates. Now her husband may have been a great man, but her husband was known in the gates 
because of all these things, if you're following in context of all these things they've listed about her, look at this virtuous woman, so virtuous that even her family members earn respect on her behalf. I am hammering on this scripture because society has already done my work in hammering on the need for men to do well for their families. But a lot of, a lot of times, women don't get this memo as well. As a woman, you just want to find someone that is good enough that will take care of you and then you just relax. You just, you know, settle for the low-hanging fruits. No. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits amongst when he sits amongst the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and she sells them. She supplies sashes for her merchants. I could go on and on. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household, and she does not eat the bread of idleness. She does not eat the bread of idleness. Some of you don't do anything. And I can say it because, I mean, it's not a misogynist statement. I'm a woman. I can say it to you face to face, <laughs> you know? I'm not even feeling anyhow. If you like, carry what I'm saying outside. Don't carry it outside context, child. Make sure you cut the whole message and the balance to this thing I'm saying before you publish what I'm saying online, okay? <laughs> but seriously... As a woman, let your expectations for wealth make sense as well. And I don't even really blame me. I mean, let me put some context to, to what I'm saying right now. When I was younger, <clears throat> my parents provided so much for me. Like, I, I, I shared at the beginning of the message when I started that many of the things that my parents did for me, I now genuinely appreciate as an adult. But growing up, we always lived in apartments. Right, and then I watched my parents save so much money to start our own personal housing projects. But in the meantime, we lived in apartments. And I just hated the fact that I could not go downstairs to play. And the reason I could not go downstairs to play was because my mom was scared out of her mind of me mixing with the wrong people. Or me, um, you know, playing, I don't know, my mom was just scared. And she didn't let me go downstairs to play so many times. And when I kept asking her, Mommy, when will I go downstairs to play? She would say, don't worry, Chiba, we'll move to our own house and you can play downstairs all you want. So subconsciously, I started to nurse the idea that we have to move to our own house. Like our own building, where we have the gates, we have all the floors, it's our own. And when I entered secondary school, I started to make some very silly statements. I started to say things like, I will never marry a man who does not have his own house. Like, not apartment or, like, duplex or bung... I didn't even like bungalows, so I was not looking at bungalows then. Like, if he does not have his own duplex, I will not marry him. And, God forgive me, I was not, I was not smart then. <laughs> because if it was like that, I will be very single now. My husband, God has blessed him, but... We are not living in a duplex of our own. We are living comfortably, but <laughs> if it's like that, I will not have married, like, when I married. So you know, it, was an, it was an irrational expectation for me because of things I had nursed in my childhood. Things that were not in themselves wrong, but because they were unguarded thoughts, they led to unreasonable expectations. I thank God for watching my mom growing up. I thank God for watching her example growing up. There are so many sacrifices my mom made that she didn't have to talk about. I just had to see them. And now as an adult, I just wonder what would have been my financial outlook to things if I didn't watch my mom make hers. 
And if you're in a case where you have not seen good examples, there are, there are good examples in the word. Amen. There are good examples in the teaching of the word. Amen. Praise the Lord. So let's trash some things. Okay. There are some things you need to just throw away from the window. Number one is money is the root of all evil. Because some of you are so uncomfortable, you are sitting at the edge of your chair because you're hearing me talk about money. It's not a conversation like you really like to hear. And for some of you that feel this way, I don't really blame you because you are running away from the dangers of maybe um, the prosperity gospel where you've heard that you must serve God for money and your best life now or something like that. So in running away from that, you've run to the entire end of the spectrum where you start to believe that God doesn't want you to have money where you start to believe that you can't be rich where you start to believe that you must only you know live in a certain way if you're a Christian you must look a certain way you must not wear certain things you must not have a certain amount of things you cannot drive certain cars sometimes eh, it's just an African thing Africans I think we have a different threshold for suffer head there are just some things we like to suffer about there are sometimes we make some very silly statements that just show that we have a poverty mentality some statements like and now I'm going to shake some tables right now. But some statements like, I can never buy a washing machine. What happened to my hand? I can never buy a, washing, um, a dishwasher. I don't want to be lazy. <laughs> I get it if your parents told you that to just train you to be more diligent and be able to look out for yourself with or without a machine. But as an adult, when you make those kind of statements, you need to pause and just think about it. Could it be because you did not maybe grow up using a washing machine, you don't realize that it saves time? Like sometimes, the people even tell you they lie that washing machine does not wash your clothes the way your hand will wash it. Washing machine does not know how to wash clothes. <laughs> there are so many advancements right now in the washing machine that washes your clothes so good, no matter how stained it is. So why, why the suffer head? Those 30 minutes that you put your clothes in the washing machine to wash and spin, you can spend those 30 minutes praying. If you don't have work to do, you can spend those 30 minutes following a YouTube course or something. You can just invest that time. Why do you want to spend 30 minutes, sometimes not even 30 minutes, one hour, two hours, three hours of your life in a day? Washing clothes in your hand when you can afford a washing machine that saves you time. You have heard that money is the root of all evil, but it's a lie. Money is not the root of all evil. And I'm not trying to blaspheme or say something that's not in the word of God. Let's look at that scripture. Some of you, if I even ask you now, where is that scripture from? You don't know. You don't know whether it's the New Testament or the Old Testament or it's just a saying that has been going around. You don't know. You don't know where it's from. Don't worry. <laughs> First Timothy. First Timothy 6. First Timothy 6. I'll, I'll save you. First Timothy 6 verse 10. That's where that scripture is from. And it says, for the love of money, for the love of money is a root, a root, <laughs> not even the root, a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed away from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves with many sorrows. So we see two things here. Money was not the problem. The love of money caused the problem. If you are greedy, that means you love money more than you should. You have money, but you keep wanting more and more and more and more at the expense of other important things. That's greediness. And why, why this is described as 
um, the root of all evil is because because of this love for money, people strayed away from the faith. People strayed away from the faith. They started to do things that were, in con that they were contrary to their stance as believers. They started to do things that negated what, what the apostles stood for, what the church stood for. And in that, they passed themselves with many sorrows. So before you go around and say money is the root of all evil, it's not true. The love of money is the root of all evil. Think about it. Glorify is a ministry. And... We do a lot of things. For instance, we went for streetlights in January. And when we um, wanted to give people Bibles, we did not... Oh, let me not even use streetlights because some people donated Bibles to us. Let me use LOL Conference, right? We wanted to rewrite a narrative of relationships amongst our members and people that follow us. So, when we went to Vantage Hub, <laughs> where we hosted um, LOL, we did not go and meet them and say, ah, hi, Vantage Hub, we are children of God, we are believers, and we want to have a program that will change the world, a program that will shake people's convictions and set them on the right path. So now, can you kindly give us your help for you? So you just like three hours, four hours. It has never happened, at least not in Vivify or any church I know. Your churches have to pay to rent spaces, and especially in the African space, People that rent out spaces are very hostile to churches. Very, very hostile to churches. There are some spaces that you will go to. You would have the money to pay for those services. You have the money to pay for their space, but they'll tell you, ah, we, don't, we don't rent to church. Why? Nothing. We don't just give our spaces to church. Sometimes we have to pay extra money to make sure that we get good spaces to hold our events. So money is necessary to move things around. Get rid of the idea that you do not need money. Get rid of that idea. Another idea you need to toss out of the window is that God does not care whether you have money or influence. Some of you have, have you know, grown so accustomed to the idea that the Christian has to always be at the bottom of the ladder. Now, I've explained that there have been erroneous teachings about money and the priority of money in a believer's life. And I agree to that. But God cares about you. God cares that you have food to eat. God cares that you are able to do things with money. And I'll show you examples. Let's start from Joseph of Arimathea. Many of you may not know who this person is, but when Jesus died, a certain man called Joseph, let me read it to you from scripture, Matthew 27 verse 57 to 60. Matthew 27 verse 57 to 60. And it says, now when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. So many times when you think about riches and following the Lord, you only think about the rich man that, God, uh, that Jesus asked to sell all his possessions and he walked away. You forget that in that story, that rich man did something fundamentally bad. You may not ask yourself that why would God ask him, why would Jesus ask him to let go of all his possessions? You don't see that for even a split second, that rich man considered his riches more important than following Jesus. And that was the problem, not the possessions in themselves. Because look at it, Joseph of Arimathea was a rich man who was a disciple of Jesus. So Jesus was not a leader of a band of poor people only. He was not a savior for the masses alone. Not true. Let's go ahead. 
This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Like, just this line alone makes me think, who do you think you are to be able to go? Do you know who Pilate was in those days? He's, he was not someone that you just wake up in the morning and say, ah, it's a good day to see Pilate. You could, you could be killed for things like that. You couldn't just walk into offices of authority and just sometimes and say, okay, I'm here to see Pilate. I'm here to see the governor. Mm, it didn't work that way. But this man came to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded that the body be given to him. Think about the kind of influence that this man had to be able to walk to Pilate and get Pilate to command that the body of a man that was crucified as a criminal be released to him. You need to realize that in Golgotha, where Jesus died, which was also called place of skulls, the criminals were left there to rot. It was called a place of skulls because there were skulls there. Like people that died, their skulls were there. Do you understand? And then this man came and demanded for the body of Jesus and Pilate gave it to him. And now when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his new tomb, which he had hewn out of a rock, and he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. Because of the influence of this man, your Lord and your Savior was buried decently. Do you realize that the, the crux of the Christian faith lies in the story of the birth, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus? There are many things we will not be able to prove about the resurrection of Jesus if he was not buried decently. Do you realize that? And the reason he was able to be buried decently is because this man, a disciple of his, was rich and had the influence to ask for his body and buried him decently. Think about it. Think about it. Let's move on. Let's look at another example, also in the New Testament, story of Barnabas. Barnabas was also called the son of encouragement. Acts 4, verse 36 to 37. Acts 4, verse 36 to 37, and it says, And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, he sold it. He brought the money and he laid it at the apostles' feet. Because of the land of, that this guy had, basically, when there were famines and different things that were happening, and we, you see in scripture that the church shared things in common, Barnabas was one of the people that laid down the land he had. He sold it so that the church could be more comfortable. Because of him and his contributions to the church at the time, the church was able to have all things in common. People didn't lack anything. When you read the earlier verses of Acts 4, you see that because people gave their lands for sale and brought the money for the use of the church, the church did not suffer. The church did not starve. They had the money to do ministry. They had the money to fend for themselves. Praise God. Another thing you need to see is that um, because of the influence of Barnabas, it was easy for Saul to do his ministry or at least to ease into it. Acts 9, verse 26 to 28, it reads that when Saul had come to Jerusalem, this is after he had seen Jesus, or he had seen the vision of Jesus, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. I mean, why not? They were all afraid of him, and they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. This is Paul, the murderer. He has been killing people, killing people. 
But Barnabas could see and discern the call of God on Paul's life, and he brought him in. And from there, it was just easier for the disciples to accept him. You'll see later on in verse 28 that after he had stayed with them in Jerusalem, they also sent him out to teach. So he was accepted, from, um, he was accepted by the disciples, again, because of Barnabas' influence. So in all your doings, strive for influence. There are some rooms that you will not be able to enter if you don't have a level of influence, right? <laughs> Things get better when you have influence. Think about the church of God in Nigeria. Because of the influence of certain men of God, there are some legislations that would not stand. A couple of years ago, there was going to be a legislation that for every NGO, there must be a couple of people on the board. And the, it was basically not going to favor the church because the transliteration or the paraphrase rather of the um, law that was going to come to play is that for a church body, which is a non-profit, a Muslim can be the head of the board. Think about what that means for the body of Christ. Like, a Muslim can be the head of the board for an NGO because of laws that the country wanted to bring up at that time. So right now, our service is going on because somebody that is not a believer is the head of the board. person can just tell me, hey, you say your name is Pastor Yeah, move, swipe, go away. Or maybe we want to evangelize to a certain place or say, don't go there because we are the head of the board. Don't go there. Do you know what that would have done to the body of Christ? And certain prominent people, for instance, Bishop David Oyedepo and certain other men of God insisted that that law would not stand. And many of you may go on and mock these fathers of faith or say this or say that, but trust me, their influence has guarded Christians in Nigeria, Christians in Africa. So in all you're doing, strive for influence is important. Praise God. Another example of how God prospers, and I'll rush through this, is Esau. Many people only think about the story of how, you know, his brother robbed him of his birthrights and the blessing and when his father wanted to bless him, da -da 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 -da. PK has done a teaching on explaining that and how it was really beyond... Um, he has just done a fine work there, so that's not where I'm going to. Where I'm going to is that Esau prospered. Now, when you think about the fact that um, Isaac had blessed Jacob and Esau, and he blessed Jacob first, and he sustained him with corn and wine, you start to think that, okay, the opposite will happen to Esau, and Esau will not have any money. He will not have any possession. But look at Genesis 33, verse 1. It says, now Jacob lifted his eyes and looked and saw Esau coming, and with him 400 men. In those days, it was not, having men in your cohort was not by, okay, I want a man, you come here. It was based on your influence or the number of your children or both. And then Esau was coming with 400 men. Let's look at Genesis 36, verse 6 to 7. And it says, When then Esau took his wives, his sons, his daughters, and all the persons of his household, his cattle and all his animals, and all his goods, which he had gained in the land of Canaan, and he went to a country away from the presence of his brother Jacob. Why? For their possessions were too great for them to dwell together. And the land where they were strangers could not support them because of their livestock. Now these are two brothers that had finally reunited, but God had blessed them so much, they had grown so much, that they could not even share the expanse of land anymore, because their livestock had outgrown the capacity of that land. So Esau had to move away. 
Think about it. This was Esau that missed out of the blessing, yet God, through his father's blessings upon him, still sustained him. Praise God. Praise God. And the last example I'll give for now on how the Lord prospers people is Abraham and his descendants. Now, as you know, Abraham was childless for practically a century. Sorry, hold on. Okay. So now Abraham was childless for practically a century. And this man was the father of Israel. He is the father of Israel. Through him, the whole story of Israel began. But this man did not have a child at the time. But after God had worked his miracle in Abraham and Sarah, he had given Isaac, Jacob, all of them. Now, the children of Israel had gone through Egypt and they were out. And this is now the book of Numbers where they, for the first time, had a census. Now, God was speaking to Moses and he said, Take a census of the congregation of the children of Israel, by their families, by their fathers' houses, according to the number of their names, every male individually, from 20 years old and above, all who are able to go to war in Israel. So this census really counted just the males at that time that were above 20. So it did not cover the people that were below 20 and it did not cover people that were not able to go to war. That will include women and children at the time. Now, in later verses, in verse 44 to 49, you'll see that after Moses and Aaron had counted, all who were numbered were 603,550 603, men. And the tribe of Levites, a whole tribe was not counted because they were selected as priests unto God. They were not counted, but just the people that were counted numbered 603,000 thousand five hundred and fifty your family members are they up to that number and just think about the family members you know some of you come from very large families are they up to that number that you know no but the children of this one man abraham the descendants of this man abraham as far back in numbers god had so blessed his lineage that this man that did not have a child for over almost 100 years now his descendants that were above 20 able to go to war, apart from women and children, were 603,550. God prospers. God prospers. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Now, <laughs> two reasons why you're broke. Mm. Some people don't like to hear the hard truths. And I'll tell you, you can't be so angry. <laughs> so I'll tell you two reasons, two main reasons why you're broke. While you are tuned in, some of you are tuned into this session. <laughs> because after the session, you're expecting miracle money. Don't worry, the Lord sees you. But let me tell you two reasons why you are broke. <clears throat> Number one, external factors. There are some factors beyond your control. Um, it can be inflation. So if you had 100K last year, that 100K is not really, cannot really buy you the things that 100K last year would have bought you because the inflation rate right now is, is ridiculous, especially in Nigeria. It's ridiculous. So inflation can be a reason why you're broke. What would have been a good salary last year is now just helping you live from hand to mouth. So that's kind of outside the scope of your control and it can be a reason you're broke. Number two, you can have also things like cash crunch, the inflation, labor markets. Labor markets is actually saturated. So because the world is getting overpopulated, there are very few opportunities or so many people striving for so few 
opportunities. So that's one of the reasons why it's difficult to make money. That's one of the reasons why it's hard for you to get by or get good opportunities. And that's not entire. That's not actually your fault. Okay. But what are the factors that are within your control? <laughs> Number one, carelessness. Mm. You know, when we were praying at the beginning of this service, we said that the Lord would give us grace to receive corrections from the word of God. So from some of you, nobody has told you, your friends don't want to tell you because they don't want to hurt your feelings. But the reason you are broke is because you are careless. Hmm. Every small thing. Some of you that tuned in, remember MMM? Hmm, I know it's giving you PTSD as I said it. Remember MMM, that money multiplying scheme that you put your money inside? They told you, invest 100k to get 1 million in 10 days. And you too, you put your money. What, what business is going to give you 1 million in 10 days with investing 100k? You don't do anything. You don't know anything about the market. And you just carry your money. Even you put it inside the scheme. You were careless. And you lost money. And now you're broke. <laughs> so some people your own level of carelessness is in the small things you are just carefree you don't really think about the future you you think about that meme that says don't worry about my future i'll take care of it tomorrow things like that and you keep saying things like ah we live to fight another day let me spend this money now another one will come tomorrow from where is it not the same salary that you're earning it's okay if you take a break to take care of yourself or you take a break to just um, recharge. But you, you are taking a break every Tuesday. Or every two, two days. Every two, two days. Ah, let me just relax and be taken care of. Let me just relax and be taken care of. Your income has not increased though. But let me just relax and be taken care of. Your carelessness has made you broke. Some of you say, I don't have money. I don't have money. Or somehow you have money to order Chicken Republic every day. Or Curry Day Spag every day. Or... Something, McDonald's, Coldstone. <laughs> As I'm saying Coldstone, I'm looking at myself. But anyway, <laughs> you have money to order all these things, but there's food at home. It's not like there's no food at home. There's food at home, but you're ordering all these things. It's carelessness. And some, sometimes you are broke because of laziness. You don't have a job. And it's not like you've tried search, searching and you didn't find. You don't have a job. You don't own a business. They've given you internship. You say you don't want to do it because you don't want to wash plates at the internship. Please don't take internships and make you wash plates. But there are good internships out there, but no, you don't want. You don't want to join your parents to work in the shop and at least take like the 100 naira they give you to buy something or do something. No, you are just lazy. Some of you, the reason you are broke is laziness. You are lazy. You are so lazy. Take it from me, okay? <laughs> Some of you, the reason you are broke is excuses. You're just hopping from one excuse to the other you keep complaining and whining they don't want to promote me at work they don't want to give me the job they don't want to do this one they don't can you be factual if you were the ceo would you give yourself that promotion with the way you've been behaving you come late to work when you're at work you don't clock in your hours completely you have never innovated anything in that office when it's time to do extra work that will move things forward for your department, you are the first to run away. You have not done anything beyond the ordinary in your job, or you want a promotion. And you start to say, my village people are after me. These people are after me. Me, I'm toxic workplace. And you don't know that yeah, I'm probably the toxic one. <laughs> but nobody is saying that to you. So you may be broke because you just have a bunch of excuses. Some of you would have moved forward if you just calm down and do the work that is required of you. 
things don't fall from heaven. I mean, the people that give out promotions, give out promotions mainly based on, on performance, really. Except you're in a bad workspace, that's tough for another day. But other things being equal, you need to be able to prove that the extra effort given to your pay, the extra input given to maybe your time offs and other benefits from work are deserving. So if you fall into any of these categories, change in the name of Jesus. Stop saying, God, I want to be rich. God, I want to be rich. Well, you sleep till 11 a.m. And that sleeping till 11 a.m. is not like maybe you slept late. Maybe you slept by 8 a.m. and you wake up by 11 a.m. But you are running a business. So you, you have a business. You have a job. But you sleep like you are practicing, as my husband would say, you are practicing death. You just sleep. Mm. That's why you are broke. Nobody has told you. I'm telling you. Mm. Ah, some reasons that you are broke is unnecessary loan. Oh, God, Jesus. You've heard people say things like, ah, rich people, they don't run businesses with their money. And you just saw that quote on Twitter. And they were referring to them, Dangote, Steve Jobs, and how they finance businesses through, like, with debt financing. And you're like, oh, good idea. You don't know your onions. You don't know how you repay the debt. You don't know any other thing. You didn't do your research, nothing. And you just start borrowing money from people. No repayment plan, no agreement, nothing. Don't, don't do that, okay? And sometimes your failures in investments are just poor decisions, honestly. I'll give an example. So in university, I used to do a lot of things. Oh my God, I did a lot of things. I sold clothes, I sold shoes, I sold perfumes, I made hair. I did all manner. And I was making good money. I was making like at least twice my allowance every month. The average month, I'll make at least my allowance extra. And it was good. And um, at some point, people started to give me like money to um, invest, which was great. I didn't lose their money. But then there was this friend of mine and I was running a business as well at that time. And then he told me to give him some money, like invest in his own business. And he'll pay me back the profits in XYZ time. And because this guy is my friend or was my friend, I did not ask him questions that I would have asked with due diligence. I did not, you know, probe, okay, how are you going to make this money back? I did not ask all those things. I don't sign any contract, nothing. And I gave him all my profits for that quarter. I gave him all my profits. I need to realize that I got a lot of profits. <laughs> so in total, I think I gave him about, this was in my like 200 level. I gave him about 70K. 70K was big money then. <laughs> I gave him 70K thereabouts. And the time that he was supposed to pay me back came and went, nothing. Two months, three months, almost a year after. I didn't see this money. Like, I think a year and a half after, he then gave me back, like, 20% or half of the money or thereabouts. But it damaged my relationship with him. It damaged my relationship, his relationship with several other people. It became so bad that I then realized that I was not the only one he collected money from. Like, he literally collected money from so many other people with the same promise and no results. Besides, I realized that this money, he didn't even invest into the business or he invested wrongly. It was just a mess. And I'm not saying you should not help your friends. You should. But if it's help, let's be help. If it's business, treat business like business. Do due diligence. <laughs> okay? Because of that, that was the one period in my life where I really entered financial issues. Like, I was in debt. 
And I was in debt because people also gave me their money to invest at that time. And while like I was still in a good um, stance with them, like I had not exceeded my investment time or anything, I started using my personal money to repay my own investors. Money that I already had. Money that I had already made back. Just because I wanted to invest in a friend, I lost so much money. And I spent so much time repaying that debt with my own personal money. It will never happen to me again. Never. <laughs> so it was a very it was a very bad phase. I had to make several sacrifices to be able to walk out of that phase of debt. And now eh, if you tell me Chisum, I want to give you money to use and eh, please. I'll manage the one I have to start the business I want. Please, please, please. I don't used to use I and C borrowing money again or um, taking loans. <laughs> please, just leave me outside the equation. My, if you come to me for advice on, ah, Pastor Chisum, I want to borrow money, this, my default answer to you would first be no. But I'll listen to you in case your own case is different. But my default answer is no. <laughs> please avoid unnecessary loans and investments so in a nutshell how do you avoid sapa i've told you this 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 how you enter sapa this is how you make bad decisions this is how you are broke and why you are broke so how do you avoid it how do you avoid getting into sorry hold on so how do you avoid getting into this position in the first place so number one, work. I can't stress this enough. Money is not going to fall on your lap. You are not on an Israelite journey and God is sustaining you with manna and quail. The provisions of the Lord would come, but God did not design you to live on miracles. Like God designed you to have a miraculous life, but he don't design you to live on one miracle money to the next. Please, God will certainly provide for you, but work with your hands. Provide value and you receive value. It's, it's, it's that simple. Number two, live within your means. Oh, some people, I don't know what you are trying to prove. Sometimes we spend a ridiculous amount of time trying to prove things to people that don't even care about us. You are trying to prove things to people online. Sorry, my device is about to die. Okay, I'm good. So you are trying to prove things to people online, people that don't care about you, people that... You don't even know. People that if you don't post for one week, they don't even care whether you're offline or your account got hacked, nothing. But you want to prove to them that, ah, in this post, my last post, I wore this shoe. Mm, this is my next post, I don't want to wear this shoe. But you know you can't afford to buy an issue. But you want to just prove a point to people. You want to prove that, ah, I don't repeat clothes. So I, since when do repeating clothes become a crime? <laughs> I mean, I've said it before. If I like a clothes, I'll wear it. <laughs> I remember when I was interning, I was interning somewhere in 20, 2019, yeah, I was interning somewhere in 2019, and backstory, I didn't get paid for that internship, I carried myself and said, oh, I'm on holiday, I'm going to look for somewhere to work, <laughs> and I went, and I almost begged this HR to give me this job, and the course I did then did not require that I should have an internship, I just wanted the corporate experience. So I interned in this place for three months, no pay. I was paying for my transport. I was paying for every. I'm not saying you should do that, but I was a student here. I didn't have anything to lose. So I was paying for my transport. I was paying for my feeding. 
I wasn't being paid by this company. So I decided to work there. And now in which respect, I'm so grateful that I did that because that was my that was my second real work experience. So because of those internships I did while I was in school that nobody sent me to do, I gathered like six months work experience. So when I did apply for my first actual job, I had some work experience on my CV. Work experience that I was not lying about. Anyway, <laughs> before I go ahead of that. So when I was, um, when I was at, interning at this place, I did not behave like the average intern. And I went to Community University. We're used to wearing corporate clothes. So I would wear corporate clothes to work. I would wear like corporate clothes with heels, not flats. Like I used to dress as if I was an executive there. So many people did not know I was an intern and they did not treat me like an intern. I was not sent message, nothing. I was a baller. <laughs> Sometimes it's your dressing that's putting you in trouble. Anyway, I, I was not treated like an intern because nobody knew like that that I was an intern. But there this particular uh, there's this pair of shoes my cousin gifted me, the stilettos I always wore to work. And at some point I felt like everybody in that company knew me by those stilettos because I was always wearing them. Everybody in team we have our wear those stilettos and they were nude. It wasn't like they, they were black or anything. They were easy to spot. So <laughs> everybody knew me by that. One day when I was packing for work, my cousin looked at me and looked at the stilettos in my hand. I said, Chisum, you're going to wear these shoes again to work? And I said, yes, because I'm an intern. They're not paying me. So why am I trying to change shoes every day to prove to people that are not even paying me to change shoes? Please. At the end of the day, at the end of the internship, my boss actually got me a new pair of shoes. I didn't ask her for the pair of shoes. Maybe she was feeling for me that I was always repeating these shoes. I don't know. Or maybe she was just giving me the gift from the goodness of her heart. But I know that she gave me a new pair of shoes. And I still kept wearing my stilettos because I liked them. They were good. They made me look good. So... My point is live within your means. You don't have to prove anything to anybody. Really, live within your means. Some of you now, especially those of you that have jabbed, there's this subconscious pressure to want to live a certain type of way. You want to be seen going to all the best restaurants because you are now abroad. You should be living big, living large. Connessus tree. <laughs> I, I told my brother the other day that, joking, listen to me. The job I was working that brought me to this Dubai, it's the same job I'm working. So what you say expect from me before I moved here should not change because I'm in another land. Hmm? Have the same expectations. If you're looking at me like this, bring your eye down a little. <laughs> I told you plainly because this boy, I, he may be tuned in right now. I love you. So this boy, one day he called me and I was like, oh, Bobo, how are you? How are you doing? And I find out like, oh, do you need anything? I'm like, yes, that he wants an iPhone. I, and I was trying to resist the urge to laugh because iPhone that I've not bought for myself. You may see my phone and say, oh, Pastor Chisum, you have an iPhone now. Your phone is good. I, I did not buy it. I, I, I did not buy it. It was a gift. I thank the Lord. So many things that I have, I did not buy. I told you this, my rich auntie jacket is my mother that gave me this dress. Okay, I bought the dress. What else? I paid for my hair. Okay, okay, we are getting somewhere. <laughs> but I didn't buy my phone. And I didn't move it anyhow. If I don't need to buy it, I don't know. It was a gift. And I appreciate it. Right? But my brother, ever since he saw this phone, he started asking that I should buy him 
this phone. And she asked my husband to buy it for him. I said, please, oh, hmm? let me just break it to you. Okay? The fact that I'm using it does not mean I can buy it for you. And I'm telling you now so that you don't have unreasonable expectations of me. I cannot buy you this at this time for no reason. It's not like he doesn't have a phone, you know? mm? but if you hear me, I'm not trying to cast you. I'm just using you as case study <laughs> because I love you. Sorry, my phone just, uh, my device just packed up on me. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Give me a moment. Give me a moment. Okay, so yes, I told my brother that he should not have unreasonable expectations of me. And I tried to maintain that. If I can't afford it, I will tell you. I cannot afford it. There's no shame there. I know what I can afford and I know what I cannot afford. Simple. Praise God. Praise Lord. Number three, how to avoid supper. Save. Save for a rainy day. And let your rainy day not be that you feel like having ice cream, you break the bank. Or your friend is having birthday, you want to show or attend this birthday in this restaurant that you cannot normally afford so you break the bank how about telling your friend or people organizing that please can we can we go to a more affordable place no shame in that or if you follow them to this place i at least order be, within your budget don't ever because everybody is ordering a mocktail mocktail four five like just a glass of the mocktail is four five so you too you want to follow and order four five four five of your savings please order water just buy water, jet jet. Cause even in that place, water can be like one k. Water, that one k, you can even buy dispenser water in your house. Anyway, just live within your means. There's nothing to prove. Save, save and save and save. In the period that you know that you don't have so many expenses, save more. Like I try to make sure that I save as much as I can in the period I can. And how I plan my finances is as my, as money comes in, I give my tithes. Like I don't even think about it. And this is not even a teaching on tithing necessarily. But I just make sure that I give to the church first. I give, to, I make my financial commitments to the church first. So that there's no, ah, I forgot to give, oh, and now I've spent all the money on bills. Mm -mm. I make sure that I fulfill my obligations to the Lord. And then I save. So after fulfilling my obligations and saving, the remaining is what I have. I'll pay my bills. After paying my bills, I make sure I'm not owing anybody anything. The remaining money I have in here, that's my flanger money. From that flanger money, I'll take maybe money for ice cream because the past few days I was looking at my expenses and I'm like, Chisum, what do you actually used to buy for yours? <laughs> Chisum, what do you actually buy for yourself? And everything on my expense list, I kid you not, was cold stone for like the past week. Like, I didn't buy any other thing for Chisum. Like, I bought things for the house, I bought things for other people. But when it came to myself, I just realized that ah, these past few weeks have been low maintenance. Like, the only thing I wanted was ice cream. And I just thank God that I had done my savings, I had done my tithe, I have done everything. So, my remaining money, that's what I enjoy. If I'm having a headache and I'm having a stressful day, I buy myself ice cream and my body will calm down. And then I'll suffer it in the gym, maybe when I go to the gym next you know, <laughs> but what, what I'm saying in essence is have a budget and abide by it. If something is not within your budget, cut it out. 
You don't have to do something because other people are doing it. Some of you, your birthday is coming. You cannot afford birthday shoes. Don't do. Or ask your phone that uh, your friend that has a good phone to take you nice pictures in a dress that you already have and upload the pictures. You can even use one of your old pictures. Like who says that you have to upload a new picture because it's your birthday? Why? Who what are you trying to prove? Why? <laughs> Please. I beg of you, don't stress it. For my pre-wedding shoots, let me even just tell you, every every outfit I wore for my pre-wedding shoots are outfits that I had. One of them was a gift for my friend. I wore it for my birthday shoot. I still wore it for my pre-wedding shoot. Why? I liked it. I really loved that dress. And I don't wear that dress anymore. But while it lasted, I used it and I used it well. And many people could not even tell. And if you could tell, I don't even care. I was not trying to make you think I have several clothes. You know, did I like my pictures? I loved my pictures. Did I look great with my husband for my pre-wedding shoot? Absolutely, yes. Same thing with weddings, because that's something you need to talk about with adults. And if you're planning to get married, one blood soccer to your finances will be weddings. Oh, my God. I thank God for the wisdom of my husband and our agreements when it came to financial things. So for our wedding, we, we, we pretty much decided the things that were important to us, and we made sure we financed it. You know, we took care of things around the honeymoon, our outfits, because... The one million and one people that wanted to come for the wedding, that food, they will eat it, they will go to the toilet and forget. Some people will even complain, ah, the food was not peppery. The food did not have this one, the food did not have that one. But we would always remember our honeymoon. We would always remember what we looked like on our wedding. And that's what mattered the most to us. And we communicated that to our parents and other stakeholders <laughs> in the wedding. Because trust me, if you are an average African child, you are a guest at your wedding and yeah, don't fight it. Just let me just tell you to save you some heartache. You are a distinguished guest at your wedding. Hmm? So just take it and avoid some arguments. Anyway, my husband and I made sure that we, we took care of the most important expenses to us. While I was wedding dress hunting, I saw teens. Don't even want to get married. Just send me a DM. Let me help your life. I saw teens. Oh. That's how I was looking for wedding dress vendor. I found one. As I entered a DM, I was like, oh, I love your designs, skinny, skinny, skinny. I would like to make inquiries about your dress. Because they not put the price on their page. So when she sent me the dresses and the bill, I did not even look at all those things. I went straight to how much the dress was. And the starting price was $2,500. I say, yeah. <laughs> Even if somebody should give me that $2,500 and say, just take and buy a wedding gown, God forbid. <laughs> and not because $2,500 is not, like your wedding dress is not worth that amount. If you have it, if you will not go broke after spending that money, ah, to your will. Spend the money. Money is for spending. Well, just some would have been broke if she spent that kind of money on a dress. Do you know what my wedding dress now is? Do you know what it is? I used to think that I'll be so sentiment and sentimentally attached to my wedding dress that I'll dry clean it, hang it in a special room in my house. My wedding dress is in Lagos. It's not just in Lagos, it's in Ghana must go in my husband's parents' house. So, 
<laughs> like that dress is just lying out there. I used to say, ah, maybe on my first anniversary, I'll remove the you know detachable train of the dress and just wear the dress. But right now, I don't even think I can fit into that dress. I don't know. I don't. I'm not sure. I've not tried it on, and I don't think I want it. Like like I just it served its purpose. But I'm so glad I did not spend that $2,500 on it because maybe I would have actually carried it <laughs> to Dubai with me. But seriously, I made, we made sure that we did not do more than we could do. We're not trying to prove anything to anybody. I'm not even ashamed to tell you how much I spent on my dress. That my dress, if you came for the wedding or you even saw the wedding pictures anyway, that beautiful dress with the veil, the detachable train, as beautiful as it was, it wasn't borrowed, it wasn't rented, it was 200k. Plus so you know, plus material, everything, consultation, 200k. And we could afford it, we bought it. Everybody's fine. And everybody was like, oh, your dress is so nice. I remember how many people messaging me after we posted our wedding pictures. I'm like, oh, please, where did you get your dress from? Where did you get your dress from? I gladly referred them to the lady that made the dress for me. That's what we could afford. And it was beautiful. It was really beautiful. I would do it again and again and again. Because even the dress that I wanted to buy and they quoted it for $2,500, I didn't like it as much as this 200k dress. So you don't have anything to prove to anyone. Maybe because you've been trying to prove something to people is why you're broke. Maybe that's why you're not as financially free as you should be. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Another thing is like, for instance, trying to live where you cannot afford. The fact that you have that money in your account does not mean you can afford it. There are two different things. That you have 200k in your account does not mean you can afford a 200k dress. Because if you spend that 200k on a dress, you don't have anything left. What if there's an emergency? What if something happens? You'll be broke. So please, please be wise, okay? Then make wise investments. Piggy Vest saved my life a couple of years ago. Like money that I was just keeping there, keeping there. <coughs> keeping there suddenly accumulated and it was useful when I needed it, you know, so make wise investments I didn't need that money at the time, but when the money matured it was useful for me So save now and invest don't don't invest in what you don't know <laughs> There's an example I know PK wanted to share so, <laughs> I work in a crypto based company I work in a crypto based company and there was this time that uh, there was this time that uh, a lot of people were making Bitcoin investments, this one investments. A lot of people were making investments around B2C and all of that. And at the time, um, he he made some purchases around that. And when he was going to sell off, because neither of us at the time knew the best time to sell off or the best time to even buy. He lost some money, right? Some good money. The money he put in was not the money he brought out. And I'm not even saying that there was some margin. He actually made losses on that. Of course, he has made wiser investments as time went by. But like that particular one, <coughs> he went in dust, right? Because at the moment, the, the knowledge we both had on crypto investments was not wide enough, was not good enough. And even if we had all the knowledge at that time, crypto market is a very volatile market. So you don't just jump in and wait to make 
ridiculous amounts of money. You just hear people make money from crypto. People make money from crypto. Which one? There are several cryptocurrencies. You don't even know which one that people are talking about. Please make your research before you spend money on anything. Then um, I'll go back to one thing before I close this evening on work. Most of you, the way you would make money in this life, most of you don't even come from homes where your parents took care of you, but like you don't come from homes where your parents own a thousand acres or they can magically sustain you for the rest of your life. And that's okay. Your parents have done their best for you. But many of you would have to work. Many of you would have to own businesses to survive. And you should have the right attitude to work. I've said it before, you should pause and ask yourself, with the way I work, with my current attitude to work, what, what do my co-workers have to say about me? If my name is brought up in a room of decisions, will decisions be made in my favor as a result of my track record? Would I be referred somewhere else because of my track record? Or am I that person in the office that they see as a... Um, and I don't care person. You know, it may be nice and it may sound cool that people say, ah, this one, she no send, she no send. But most times they don't promote the people that don't send. <laughs> they don't. So you need to know, and you need to be able to work on the things that are flaws for you. As we've said at the beginning and prayed for at the beginning, that we would learn and relearn and unlearn from the things that we already know. So if you've had a faulty attitude to work, you can adjust that. So number one, what do you do when you want to have a better attitude to work? Work for the Lord. I know this may sound churchy or somehow, but it's an instruction from God. Let's look at Colossians 3. Colossians 3 verse 22 to 25, bless me, Colossians 3 verse 22 to 25, it says, servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service or as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God, excuse me, <clears throat> in singleness of heart, fearing God, and this masters according to the flesh doesn't necessarily mean um, slaves and masters. It could be like people are, that, that employ you, literally. So do not be men pleasers or do things with eye service. Some of you, since morning, you are at your desk, you are on Instagram, you are on Twitter, you are on every place. But once you hear like this, that manager is coming, director is coming, he says, open all the tabs. Or you even have a permanent tab open so that when the manager is coming, you just swipe it. Your manager may not see, but the Lord sees. Some of you have hacked Slack so much that you know how to um, do shortcuts on your laptop that will make you look active throughout the day on Slack when you are not really active throughout the day. Your manager may not see, but the Lord sees. And you give account for these things. You will give account for these things. Money is not everything. A reputation is more important than money. Let it be said that even if you are not in the best playing place, you were at your best. Many of the people, when, when I, before I got to this job that I'm currently in, one of the people that served as my referrals was the woman that I served in the firm that I interned for free. And when she wanted to refer me, she referred me gladly. This was a busy woman. She referred me gladly. She was the same woman that bought me gifts. 
at the end of my se- and the end of my internship she referred me gladly to another company to think about it i've done all the interviews i've done everything imagine this person gave me a bad referral i'd have lost the job opportunity the second person that served as my referral was my project supervisor yes that your project supervisor you're always running away from my project supervisor we, we developed a very good relationship beyond the project that she was seeing me through on. See, your reputation will take you far. How did I become friends with my project supervisor? So she was taking us a course, BUS 410, I think. And we we're supposed to do presentations for that course. I love presentations. But that particular day, I prepared a lot for that presentation. And then when I came, out of all the people that presented, she really liked our presentation because she felt like we made it practical, made it relatable, and I presented well. And that's how we became friends. Like, that's how we became friends. And this woman has been so instrumental in my life, so instrumental to the point that there was an issue I eventually had later on towards the end of my stay in school, that if this woman did not come through for me, I don't know how. I would have walked away from that issue. It was an issue that was not within my control, but she did everything she could to exonerate me. And I just think about it. What if I didn't know this woman? I would have just been a victim of things that were not within my control. Relationships are important. Let your attitude to work not be money, 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 money. Okay? Money is important. Money is important. I agree. But sometimes, some workspaces, some work experiences are for you to just gain experiences. Don't show those experiences away. While you search for a good job, while you search for a better opportunity, do the most with where you are right now. Don't be the person that because you're in a toxic workplace, you yourself, you become toxic. God commands that we shine as lights in every situation, in every single situation. Your pursuit for money, as I said from the beginning, must not take away the fruits of the Spirit from you. Must not take away the fruits of the Spirit from you. Some of you, because you're looking for brighter opportunities, you're looking for better days ahead, that thing has stolen your joy so much. You're behaving like that rich man. Now, because of the thought of your riches and the things you could amass, it just took so much control, excuse me, of your decisions, of your feelings, of everything around you. Your pursuit for better days must not strip you of walking in the fruits of the spirit that you have. Praise God. Praise God. Number two, work for purpose. Not everything is about money. Not everything is about money. Don't be a paper chaser. Don't be um, the person that just wants to hop from one job to the other because you are chasing money. The things are more important than money. Well-being is important. Your family is important. Are you willing? Okay. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry. <clears throat> so as I say, don't be a paper chaser. Are you willing to, like, how far can you go because you're looking for money? There has to be boundaries. There must be opportunities that you look at and say, I will not take this opportunity. Money can't be your only motivation. Before I got married, or before we even, I even moved here to join my husband, there were some jobs that I did not look at, even while we were dating. There were some things I did not look at, because even if there's a good opportunity in Kafanchan, 
I did not plan to have a long-distance relationship with my husband. So I did not plan to be in situations where I will not be asking myself that, ah, would I choose a better-paying job over a, a good marriage with my husband? And for some people, it's a topic for discussion. For Chisome Sonu, for Chisome Ulusonya, Chisome Sonu at that time, Chisome Ulusonya now, it was not going to be a topic for discussion. Those were my values. I did not want a long-distance relationship. I did not want a job that would take me away from my home. I don't want a job that will in the future take me away from my children. So I did not look for those jobs. Even if some of those jobs would have been better paying, some of those jobs would have been in better places. In my scope of work, a lot of good opportunities are in the U.S. But I will not look for a job in the U.S. because I don't plan to live there. My husband does not plan to live there. So till I plan to live there or it can accommodate where I'm living now and the things that God has asked me to do now, I will not look for it. Some of you put yourselves in tight corners because you're looking for things that you had no business looking for in the beginning. If your only motivation is money, you would not have boundaries because you get to a point where you then make so much money, but then you continue to break boundaries to keep that much money. You begin to do things like tax evasion. You begin to do things like unhealthy forms of competition just to keep the money you have. Is that love for money that is the root of evil? Some of you, with your two coroco eyes, you will choose a job that will take you away from church and you say, eh, there's online church. But you can't serve anymore. Hmm? You can't be a part of the workforce anymore. You can't, God can't even give you an assignment that will require you to be ordained because where will you, you can't, will you be doing, will you be ordained online? Some of you are in tight situations that you can't necessarily control right now. But right now, there are some things you should just put cast in stone. I will not take a job if it would demand my life. During my interview for this current role, I was asked, what matters to me most in a job and i told them peace of mind and i knew it was a weird answer but like thankfully also read the room please <laughs> thankfully where i work like you can talk freely to a large extent so i told the ceo i'm a peace of mind like i'm willing to give my best to this company but i don't want to live in anxiety every day i don't i simply don't my peace of mind is important to me and that's the most important thing to me about any job. If I'm given a task, I want the autonomy to be able to do the task to the best of my ability without feeling gaslighted. Without feeling like, you know, I know work is hard, but not to the point of my peace, like not to the point of my sanity. Some of you, you're in jobs where you don't really have the most money, but they care about your health. Like you're in companies where they will genuinely tell you, take this time off here if you are sick. But that good job or that better paying job you're looking for, there's no sick leave, oh. There's no sick leave. You will work, that money they're paying you, you will pay it back in your life, in your sweat and your blood. You don't even have time for the relationships you want. It doesn't make any sense. No pursuit of money should take away the things that are most important to you. There are some things that should not be conversations. Sometimes they, do, they ask you truth or dare questions and some things become trick questions to you. Like, would you choose money or love? Mm-mm. Chizon would not choose money. I'm not planning to be poor, but presented to opportunities, I know what's priority to me. And you need to define those priorities before you get to the point of decision. Praise God. Know where your boundaries are and establish that, those boundaries. Don't be a paper chaser. Chase value. Chase purpose. Praise Lord. And I think about the story of Solomon. 
And how when God had a conversation with Solomon, Solomon asked for wisdom, not wealth. And with the wisdom he had, he amassed so much wealth. Of course, we know that Solomon said to Nisiyan and his behave at some point. But at the beginning of the story, Solomon asked for wisdom. And with the wisdom he had, he was able to amass wealth and able to keep the, that wealth that he eventually amassed. Number three, walk towards freedom. There's something that the Lord told me a while ago when I was praying. He said, Jesus, your best days are in front of you. The rest of your life is ahead of you. Sometimes, as many people tune in here in your 20s or in your 30s or in your 40s, I don't know, but most people tune in are in their 20s or 30s. And sometimes we start to look at the success of people in their 50s through the lenses of our lives now. And it doesn't make any sense. Comparison is not always a bad thing, as I like to say. What are you comparing? If you are comparing the success of Jatala Cruz, <laughs> I know people say I like Jatala Cruz, I'm not even the originator of that name. <laughs> um, but if you are looking at the success of Jatala Cruz and benchmarking him with your own success, make sure that you are looking at the labor of Jatala Cruz as well. Are you working as hard as Jatala Cruz is working? If Jatala Cruz is doing something contrary, don't be that person that envies people that are doing evil because they have more money. You're a different breed. You need to realize that. You have the Holy Ghost. And if you have the Holy Ghost and you have nothing, you are not less than the person that has everything and also has the Holy Ghost. And you have more than someone that has the whole world and does not have the Lord. Because at the end of your life, whether you are rich or you are or you're poor, you are going to see God. You're going to be with him at the end of your life. And that, that's all the treasure you could have. The most important things in life, God gave to you on a platter. You didn't have to work for. You may have to work for your rent. You may have to work for your car. You may have to work for food on your table. But you don't have to work for salvation. And that is all the wealth that you need. Praise God. That's all the wealth that you need. So when you compare, make sure that you're comparing the right things. The best days you have are ahead of you. Don't, don't be the person that, because you, you want to live the life that you're seeing people in their 30s, 50s living. And you forget that those people labored back then. You won't be in your mocks, you won't be in your mocks. You forget that he started day-day. Since, it's not, it's not when he bought Twitter that he started. Learn to labor like the people you look up to. Learn to labor like the people you look up to. The road to success is many times, more often than not, paved with sacrifices. As I conclude, I just want you to learn to start from where you are and grow into where you want to be. And one, thing needs, one of the things you need to grow in is generosity. If you don't know how to give when you have 1,000 Naira, I promise you, when you have 1 million Naira, you will not know how to give. Because I think about it now. When I was in school, my allowance was 25K. And for the life of me, I don't know what 25K would do for me right now for an allowance for a month. Because, number one, I don't stay in Nigeria. This place is expensive. <laughs> Nobody has told you. And if you're going to Japan, just know that everywhere that's on Nigeria is more expensive than Nigeria. <laughs> just saying. Right? So, but then, that 25K was taking care of me. 
I when I started to earn more than that, my standard of living, my needs, my bills rose with my income. Thankfully, because I had learned to give early, because I had learned to tithe and give my offerings early enough, I was able to do so when I had 25,000. I was able to do so when I had more. In my secondary school, our paycheck for the month was one five. Our allowance for the month was one five. Like for, for 30 days, 1,500. And I'll give my tithes every month, 415 naira. And I'll still give my offerings every week and on Sunday and on Wednesday, 20, 20 naira. And whatever I had, I'll still make the most of that. At some point, I remember having a conversation with my dad, and my dad was telling me that, I just feel so young. Don't bother yourself trying to prove anything, like giving this, giving that. I'm like, Daddy, I want to learn how to do it now. I want to learn how to do it now. And these are conversations that I keep having with my parents, even to today. Then I would save money week on week, and so that when I'm going back home, I will buy a gift for my mom. I'll buy a gift for my dad. And every time my mom would be telling me, Chisum, you're still in school. Why are you spending this money? Why are you doing this? But I was saying, mommy, I want to grow in this. I can't remember where I picked up that attitude. Maybe it was even from watching my mom or from lessons from school. I can't really remember. But I know that now it's just subconscious practice. I don't even need to write it down to remember to give to my parents. I don't need to write it down to remember to give to my th give my thighs because these are things that I've learned to do over several years. I mean, this 1.5 money that I'm telling you, this was back in 2012. That's like 2012 minus 2023. That's 11 years ago. So I've learned to do that over and over again, over and over again, and I'm where I am right now. So start from where you are. With the 10k that you have, learn to give. And I'm not saying you not carry your 10k iwan and you can't put it in church accounts. Mm -hmm. Plan, plan. If it's 100 naira that you can consistently give from the 10k you have, God sees it and God honors it. You are even giving more than someone that has 1 million and is only giving 1,000 every Sunday. So from what you have, start from where you are and grow. Grow in generosity. Grow in financial responsibility. If you don't learn to take care of your loved ones now, to show them that you love them with your finances, you will not know how to do it when you have more. I promise you. It's not automatically taught. Grow little by little. Grow in generosity. You don't always have to give out money. That's one thing many people don't realize. You can give out material things and not money. You can maybe somehow you always have rice in your house and you know your neighbor does not have rice. Why don't you give them rice? You may have more clothes than the next person. Why don't you give them clothes? Money is not everything. You can give your time. Some of you have so much time, you don't even know what to do with it. That's why you're always bored. Give out your time. Volunteer. Don't always look for things that are going to give you money. Things that are going to give you money. Money, 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 money. Volunteer. Look for a place where you would gather the experiences you need. Experiences that are scalable. Experiences that are valuable. Volunteer. Volunteer. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And another place you should learn to grow is in your trust in God. In your trust in God. I'm going to end this by reading one scripture. Jeremiah 17. If you know me, you must have heard me say the scripture before. Jeremiah 17. Uh, I'm just going to get there quickly. 
Thank you, Lord. Jeremiah 17. And it says, 17 verse 10. Sorry, 17 verse 7. And it says, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and it never fails to bear fruit. The first time I started to memorize the scripture was when I was in debt. I've shared that story with you earlier. The debt was not something I walked into out of carelessness. Well, arguable. It was because I was trying to help a friend's business and I ended up being in trouble for it. And then in one of the days where I was sad and prayed about this issue, the Lord laid the scripture on my heart. And I just think about God's faithfulness for me through that period. Sometimes because we are looking forward to things we don't have, we forget that God has done so many things for us in the past. Sometimes you have to take a step back and look at all the things that God has already done for you. Food on your table. You may not have the money. Like one time, I was, read, I was, I was uh, in a place where this hymn was being sung and I was in tears. It was my father-in-law's birthday. And I was in tears. And I don't know whether I'm getting old and hymns now move me a lot. I don't know. <laughs> like, I was just in tears when I was listening to Great is Thy Faithfulness. The first time I heard it was in primary school. But I was just thinking about it. Great is Thy Faithfulness, O Lord my Father. And a part that really struck me in that hymn was, All I have needed, your hands have provided. And I started to look at my life. Where I am now, trust me, is not is is not by my labor. It's not by things that I would have thought up and cooked up and somehow brought together. God has blessed the works of my hands. I've seen the Lord bless the works of people's hands. Trust me, being in ministry is a whole different ball game than having a, a normal nine to five and just living life. Because every day there's a sacrifice on your head. Every day there's a demand on your life that you have to constantly show up for and if you are going to do much for the lord you can't do that through the lenses of what you can do physically learn to grow in your trust for the lord those hymn those um, hymn lyrics rang true in my heart because all i have needed god's hands have really provided i didn't need to have that money it came through my father at some point, it came through my husband. at some point, it came through gifts at some point, it came through expenses being waived Sometimes you think that all the provision you need is in more money. Mm -mm. Sometimes you just need the right people around you. Sometimes you just need people that would love you, people that will be there. But more importantly, you need to know that God is your father and he cares for you. You can't, you can't outgrow being God's child in the sense that he loves you and he's going to take care of you. You can't outgrow that. So with all the pressures of adulting, of black tax, of all the responsibilities that come with being an adult... One thing would never change. You are God's child. He sees you. And he will take care of you. He will take care of you. Learn to trust the Lord. Some of you trust him more for healings and creative miracles. But you don't trust him for your finances. And trust me, if you don't believe that God will come through, you shut out yourself from his streams of supply. If you don't believe that God can take care of you, you won't see his blessings when they are right in front of you. And you would miss them. You avoid them. 
Sometimes they are so scared about praying for, for directions on a job because they are scared and you think that God would ask you not to take the job. And you are so scared because you don't understand that it's the God that loves you, that leads you. If God is telling you don't take this job, he has his reasons why. If God is telling you don't travel out, he has his reasons why. If God is telling you stay here or travel out, he has his reasons why. Learn to trust the Lord with your heart. And I want you to turn that right now to prayer. I am super confident that this has been a blessing to you. Keep praying with it and let these words drive you to action to live in the fullness of the will of God for your life. Stick around for more. God bless you. I love you.